We are just days away from week four of the preseason in Philly, which means only one thing. Football is around the corner, and the roster is about to get cut from 90 to 53. The New York Jets roster is deep. It's more talented than people think, but it's missing two of the three championship positions in the NFL, with the way the rules are being played out, the Super Bowl champions, year by year, need these three positions to be pristine. And the Jets are completely awful in two of the three. Let's go. Keesaw for the Devils plays it cross ice into the far corner. Matto swoops in to intercept. Matto behind the net. Swings it in front. He scores! Matto! 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 Stefan Matto! And the Rangers have one more hell to climb, baby! But it's Mount Vancouver! The Rangers are headed to the Oh yes, it's Sabo Radio back again for the first time in a long time. Actually, three months maybe, four months. You know, it's just, uh, if it was up to me, I'd do two of these a day, four hours a day. I just don't have the time. It's, uh, you know, life sucks sometimes. What are you going to do? But since uh, the last show and now, I've uh, been at Jets practice uh, on the sidelines, up in the press box during the games. Got to see a lot of training camp, a lot of the roster unfold, a lot of what they are um, doing offensively. Todd Bowles, as we know, defensive-minded head coach. Um, you know, still his future is still very much up in the air. Um, at times, he looks like the greatest hire since uh, Tuna in '97. Other times, he drives people mad. He he can't seem to um, get with the times, the offensive times. And um, be rewarded for aggressive play, like we saw in the Super Bowl last year and the entire season last year from a Doug Peterson. You know, defensive coaches were great in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s, but this is a different game. This is uh, a game Bill Belichick had to actually throw his hands up in the mid-2000s and say, okay, I need to adapt. No more spending money on the defensive side of the ball. 
I got to give Brady weapons. And we have to be aggressive. We have to attack downfield. Obviously, though Sam Darnold looks terrific, and we'll get to that later on, he looks terrific with poise and uh, professionalism and everything he says as a teammate. A 21-year-old rookie shouldn't look this good in the pocket against uh, or with the, a terrible O-line with Beecham and Winters out. He shouldn't look this good. Yet, he finished the preseason, assuming he doesn't play Thursday, which he, we're sure he won't, um, averaging 5.4 yards per attempt. That is uh, epically low. And Bates and Darnold couldn't go downfield. A, because the O-line was terrible. They didn't, they didn't allow him to go downfield. And B, because they just went with the vanilla, execute the three-step drop, um, quick-timing offense, the West Coast offense that Bates loves to run. Um, rushing the ball, we saw Rick Dennison, his influence, his zone-blocking scheme, in attempting to take a poor-to-average offensive line and make it play better as a unit. Obviously, that's the progress there is nowhere, considering the injuries with Beecham and Winters. But we saw the his fingerprints on the system so far in terms of the outside zone stretching attack that the Jets are running. It's Crowell, Powell, Trenton Cannon on a stretch almost at least 75% of the rushes. Outside C-gap. Outside of the tight end and tackles um, in that zone scheme almost every time in the preseason. So, this is what I witnessed all summer. Very conservative, very vanilla, and with that in mind, we looked, we, we projected um, on Elite Sports New York, I projected the 53-man roster on Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Today is Monday. They play Philly on Thursday. And then after that game, they'll cut down to 53 from 90. Obviously, in years past, there were different cuts from 90 to 75, I believe, and and so on. Now, it's just one clear cut. Chaos this coming weekend uh, to pick up any players on the short list of Mike McCagnon. And... Um, you know, get a practice squad going when ready. And that's what we'll talk about today. What, what I saw during the summer and how it translates into projecting the 53-man roster. So, obviously we start at quarterback. And it's no secret. Sam Darnold is the starter. He's the number one guy. He will be starting. He's the present and the future. The Teddy Bridgewater noise is just nonsense. It's social media nonsense. No Jet fan dislikes Teddy Bridgewater. Every Jet fan likes Teddy Bridgewater. They want him to succeed. And in fact, most of them want him to stay on the roster as the backup. Unless he could actually fetch something worthwhile. Um... It was a shrewd signing to get him this past offseason. And if he can turn into a third-round pick, or dare I say a second-round pick, 
for a for a QB hungry team who desperately needs one, needs a gunslinger, the Jets have to do it. I mean, I don't even want to bring up Khalil Mack or Dante Fowler Jr. Um, at the risk of becoming overly excited as a fan because that's that would just be a dream come true. But um, you know, Bridgewater and a lot of assets would have to go for either one of those guys. But regardless, Darnold is the starter. You can just see his extra, his his special trait in practice during games. Yes, he didn't attack downfield, but he also didn't have the chance to attack downfield this offseason. I even asked him uh, after one practice if there was any point of emphasis on why, I think it was after the second preseason game in D.C., if there was any point of emphasis to, to actually stretch the field a little in week three. And obviously you can only take what the defense gives you, and that's what Darnold's answer was. Listen, as a quarterback, they're only worried about completion percentage, and it's true, completion percentage is king these days, but 5.4 yards per attempt is never going to get it done. I don't care how lax the rules are and how much the offense gets favored. So after asking him that question, again, they weren't able to stretch the field against the Giants, even against aggressive looks in which Landon Collins was the only deep safety. They were not playing too deep safety. In fact, the defenses against the Jets this preseason were overwhelmingly one deep, and even a bump and run one deep. Uh, but again, lack of faith in the O-line, it's tough to take a seven-step step, step drop and say, you know, let's risk Sam getting hurt on a seven-step drop just to take a shot with Robbie Anderson down the sideline for 50 yards. You know, that's that's something you say for week one. So, save for the, um, other than the aggressiveness, the theme, which was conservative by nature offensively, Sam Darnold has passed every test with flying colors. The pocket presence, he... he showcases on a down-by-down basis is otherworldly. His throw-on-the-run abilities, amazing. His, his, his demeanor and just overall professionalism, you couldn't ask for more. So at quarterback, we have Darnold, Bridgewater, McCown. It's simple. Those are the three. Next up, and if you want to argue Teddy, you know, we're not going to argue. It, it's, a, it's a wasted argument. The man is on a one-year deal. What are you going to do, start Teddy? What if he blows up this year? Are you going to sign him to a long-term deal after the year? A long-term deal for big bucks, like not Kirk Cousins, but somewhere in the top 10. When when a quarterback, a franchise quarterback reaches free agency, he's going to go for top 10 money at the very least. So what do you do? You, You sign Teddy. Or you play Teddy, you start him, say he blows up. Are you going to sign him? No. And if you do, why would you when you have Darnold on the cheap, on the relative cheap, as the third round pick? You're, you're just, you're, you're hurting yourself. You're putting yourself in a dangerous scenario to start him. So say you start him and he plays average. And say they win eight games or nine games or ten games. You're just going to go to Darnold anyway the next year. He's cheaper. Uh, it, just, it just makes no sense. So, 
You know, if he was on a three-year deal for cheap money, sure, you could name Teddy the starter. If he shows promise, stick with him and then trade Darnold. But he's on a one-year deal. That's a, that's a big-time difference. And that's that's the main reason why you... There's no starting point for arguing to start Teddy Bridgewater. But anyway, those are the three quarterbacks. The only way there'll be two is if Teddy is somehow traded before week one. At running back, again, it's pretty simple. It's Isaiah Crowell, Bilal Powell, and Trenton Cannon, the rook from D2. Um, after a shaky week three and, you know, shaky practices leading up to week three against the Giants, some were suggesting Cannon might not make the roster, that he'd be in trouble. Honestly, I don't see how this is possible. Uh, obviously, Crowell and Powell are on the roster, but what are you going to do? Keep Thomas Rawls over Cannon? I don't think so. Um, you can keep George Atkinson over Cannon? I don't think so. If Elijah Maguire was healthy, okay, we have a discussion. But Cannon is solidified. Especially concerning his return abilities. They need him on that kick return. Punt return, you know, he still has issues with catching the ball, and I think they might have given up on that. But still, he, he might be the most talented back of the three in terms of raw talent. He just has a long way to go in terms of one-cut movement within the zone-blocking scheme. Crowell and Powell see the hole quicker, get the ball, boom, one cut, they're gone. Cannon, he's still working that out. But in terms of overall talent, he's there. Those are the three running backs. Fullback, Lawrence Thomas, even though everyone wrote him off once Dimitri Flowers was taken, um, Flowers hasn't come close to touching him. It would be a shock if they kept Flowers over Thomas. Could it happen? Absolutely. But Thomas has stuck on the first team throughout the entire summer. So we'll, we'll roll with Thomas. At receiver, we have seven individuals. Usually it's six or seven, sometimes eight, rarely though. Seven is usually the best number on the 53 man. We have Robbie Anderson. We have, yeah, we have Anderson, the speed demon, the nine route monster. We have Quincy Inunua, opposite him starting, who is the possession beast. And those two complement each other very well. Very, very well. And yes, I know a lot of people make the argument that this receiving group doesn't have that Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, ETC, etc. But a lot of teams don't have that. And if you don't have that, the best thing you can do is, is have each weapon complement each other very well. And this group does that. Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, Jermaine Curse, number three in the slot. They could also play Inunua in the slot. Those two could go back and forth. Um, who's fourth? Fourth is Terrell Pryor, who scored his first touchdown against the Giants on that shallow dig. Eh, yeah, crossing pattern. I guess you can call it a dig. Um, number five is Trey McBride, who's been tremendous this entire summer. Six is Andre Roberts, the veteran who must be kept for his return abilities. Isaiah, our lucky whitehead is gone. It's just Cannon and Andre Roberts right now. 
and Andre Roberts is going to have to make the team. Um, he's, a, he's a solid slot receiver as well. The last spot is up between Charles Johnson and Chad Hansen. Right now, we're sticking with Hansen purely due to age. Hansen's a young buck, a McCagnan draftee in the fourth round, while Charles Johnson is a 29-year-old veteran. And even though Charles Johnson was ahead of him all summer long, we'll give the nod to Hansen purely based on him being a McCagnan guy and his age. So that's the seven. On the reserve suspended list, Ardarius Stewart will be there. Now, this is the thing when it comes to suspended players. Stewart, if he wasn't suspended, he might be cut. They might just they they probably would have just cut him. But since he is suspended, they can keep him around uh, for the weeks he's suspended. I forget how many games he is suspended, and then see what happens with their other receivers until he's ready to come back. So in a weird way, the suspension kind of saves Ardarius right now. And that's and those are the seven. Who am I missing right now? Sharon Sharon Peak is not going to make it. And if the Jets try to put him on the practice squad, another another team will probably swoop in and take a chance on him. Um, but yeah, those are those are the seven. And you pretty much can't argue with that. I mean, Charles Johnson is a tough cut. There's no doubt about that. He he played he probably played well enough to uh, to warrant making the team. And someone will pick him up. There's no doubt. At tight ends. This one is interesting. Will, you keep, will they keep three or four? We have... I have Tomlinson, Leggett, and Herndon as the three. Both Neil Sterling and Clive Walford have played well. If it was up to me, I'd probably keep four and let Tomlinson walk. But this is Todd Bowles. This is the defensive-minded head coach who has Eric Tomlinson starting with the ones because he's a run-first conservative offensive coach and Bates is running that engine for Bulls. Tomlinson starts. Why? He's the best. He's really the only run blocker of the five at the position here. Why also? Because Anunwa, who's a beast, could assume the tight end position in four wideout in a four wide out spread look. So say Tomlinson plays with the base offense. Tomlinson's in there uh, with Lawrence Thomas at fullback, or Tomlinson's in there with Leggett or Herndon in a too tight look. When the Jets go to uh, the 11 personnel, Anunwa could take the Y, the tight end spot, while Pryor gets bumped up with Curse and Robbie Anderson. So what you'd have is a four-receiver look, one running back, no tight ends, but Anunwa is playing the Y, essentially. Um, that's probably why they'll keep three tight ends instead of four, because Anunwa basically can be a tight end at any moment. Sterling and Walford, if cut, will be scooped up right away by teams. There's no doubt about it. Leggett hasn't done much until the last week and change. Again... I think this is a McCagnin drafty keep. He doesn't deserve to make the team over Sterling and Walford, but because he was drafted in the mid-round, in the middle rounds, he will be kept. Herndon, obviously, will be kept as a fourth rounder. 
a fourth rounder who it's well documented. I really thought McCadden should gamble on a offensive lineman or an edge rusher. You know, uh, Orlando Brown could have been had in the third round instead of uh, Nathan Shepard, for example. Uh, Josh Sweat out of Florida State could have been had too, but the Eagles scooped him up. The champion Eagles who have already eight different pass rushers. They just added another. So, tight end, Tomlinson, Leggett, Herndon, while Sterling and Walford are cut. On to the offensive line, and here is the first of the two awful, awful units the Jets currently showcase. In the beginning, I mentioned that there are three Super Bowl positions in the NFL. One is obviously quarterback, and the other two are offensive line and pass rusher. Conventional pass rusher as in a conventional pass rush, a conventional four-man pass rush. Look at the Super Bowl teams as of late. They have great quarterback play. They have great offensive line play. And they could all rush the quarterback in a conventional manner without blitzing. The Eagles last year, okay, they had Wentz. Foles was damn near perfect. But their offensive line is the best in the league. It surpassed Dallas. It surpassed. It, it, it beats out Jacksonville, who actually led the league in rushing a year ago and then added Andrew Norwell, the best guard in the, in the offseason, on top of it. That's how good Philly's O-line is. How about their pass rushing ability? Again, speaking of Jacksonville, Jacksonville was second in sacks last year. The Eagles have like eight different one-on-one pass rushers, and they just keep throwing them out there, subbing them in and out. This, what this does is elevates a corner from below average to really good, or from good to superstar. What this does is, is it elevates a middle linebacker from a, like Darren Lee, who suddenly turns into a... Ray Lewis, for example. I'm exaggerating, but you get the idea. This is what the trenches does for everyone else behind them. If the offensive line overplays, the quarterback's that much better. The running back's that much better. The receiver's that much better. The New York Jets secondary could be the best in the league, but it never will be unless it or until it gets that conventional four-man pass rush. Jamal Adams, Marcus May, talent alone, they could be the best safety duo in the league right now. You give them Jacksonville's pass rush, and it's not even close. They're a better safety tandem than Church and... uh, I forget the other safety there. But, you know, Church is the Barry Church is there, and the two corners, Ramsey and uh, Bowie, are the all-pros. But you get the idea. The Jets' secondary is playing with a tremendous handicap right now. Darnold is playing with a tremendous handicap right now. But So when you look at this 53-man roster, it's very deep. It's better than people think. But they can't... They're not legit contenders thanks to those two critical positions and units that decrease uh, production across the board. Offensive line... In conventional pass rush. Offensive line. We have eight Jets being kept. Beecham, Carp, you know the starters. They have no... There's another gripe I have. Offensive linemen love competition. They thrive off of competition. They battle each other in August for that competition. 
this Jets offensive line hasn't had competition in two years. The starters are the starters. There's no nobody coming up and sneaking up from behind anybody and taking the job. There's just no talent there. Beecham, Carpenter, Long, Winter, Shell. We know they're the starters. That's it. Uh, the three extras are Brett Cavalli, Brett uh, who simply isn't a tackle in the NFL. He's not qualified. We've seen that. Young Jonathan Harrison at center and guard, and Dakota Dozier at guard, who I think is going to be battling Dakota Shepley for that last spot. They could keep nine offensive linemen. They kept nine heading into and heading into last year, 2017 season. I have him down as eight this year. McCagnon will be scouring free agency come uh, cut day. Um, you know. Some of the guys that are cut, that will be cut, Antonio Garcia, who's uh, who's pretty small in person. You'd think he'd be a little bigger, to be honest. Garcia, uh, Balducci, Travis Swanson. Swanson could still make it over Jonathan Harrison, or make it as that ninth guy. Gino Gradkowski, the veteran, Darius James. Um, ben Ajelana is on injured reserve, and... Practice squad candidates, Ben Braden, who was on the practice squad last year, and Dakota Shepley, who's an undrafted rookie. So those are two guys that would be nice to, to stick on the 10-man practice squad, Braden and Shepley. And defense. It's time for defense. The interior defensive line. D linemen, DNs in a 3-4, which... Shouldn't be called the end at all. I don't know why they do that. And nose tackle. Six in total. Big Cat Leonard Williams, Steve McClendon, the Rook, Nathan Shepard, who I'm convinced will start. The new guy, Henry Anderson. Mike Pinnell, the backup nose tackle, who's a lot better than people think. And the other Rook, the late round, six round pick, Fatu Kasi. Cut would be Xavier Cooper, Mike Thomas, and Kendall Reyes, while Deion Simon could head to the practice squad for the second straight season if no one else scoops him up and he doesn't bolt. Defensive line is pretty clear-cut. The edge outside linebacker, which, as I mentioned before, is the second of the Super Bowl, two or three Super Bowl positions the Jets do not possess. Not only do they not possess them, they are 32nd 30, 31st, 32nd ranked in the league. Epically terrible. Jordan Jenkins, Josh Martin, Frankie Louvu, David Bass, and Dylan Donahue. This would mean Lorenzo Maldin, Malden, Brandon Copeland, and Obam Guasham, I do not know how to say his name, will be cut. Copeland and Donahue are battling for that last spot. But in fact, they might don't. But they might only keep four. Four is actually the normal number here, and Donahue is a candidate for the practice squad or even the reserve suspended list, as the NFL is still reviewing his case, off the field case. So there's a lot of there's a lot of doubt there at the outside edge spot, considering there's no talent. Inside linebacker, this one's very straightforward. Darren Lee, Avery Williamson, uh, Kevin Minter, and Neville Hewitt who I believe will make it over Anthony Wint. And Anthony Wint, speaking of the kid, he is a perfect practice squad candidate as well. 
the um, and also speaking about Donahue on the reserve suspended list, Kevin Pierre St. Louis, who was suspended for a game, I think it was announced earlier in August, will start the season on that list. So even if Hewitt makes it, Minter and Louis, Pierre Louis might be the two backups here. We'll see how it shakes out after week one. But Neville Hewitt has played well and definitely deserves to make the week one roster. Corner. We have six individuals here at corner. Could be seven. Bowles is that secondary, that safety guy. He loves his secondary. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, number one guy, obviously. Morris Claiborne, Buster Screen, Daryl Roberts, Perry Nickerson, and Derek Jones. D. Jones, who's been playing so well this summer, he deserves a roster spot. Cut would be Justin Burris, the disappointment, who everyone kept on pushing, pushing, pushing. He just never got there. Uh, Jeremy Clark and Xavier Coleman. Terrell Sinkfield, who um, made a nice pick in practice on the on one of the one of the days, I think two weeks ago, off Darnold in a cover three. And it was an underthrown ball by Darnold, but uh, still a nice interception. Sinkfield was on the practice squad last year. He could very well be back at the practice squad this year. And Richard Robinson, the free agent veteran, will start on the reserve suspended uh, list for four games. So six cornerbacks to start. Could be seven. They could keep Burris. They could keep Clark or Coleman or Sinkfield. Um, but I, I give them six here in knowing that they have Richard Robinson um, coming back week five. Safety, we got four here. Again, could be five. Bowles loves those safeties. Uh, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, J.J. Wilcox, and Terrence Brooks. Really no controversy. Brandon Bryant, the undrafted supplemental kid, will probably be cut. The Jets will probably want to offer him a practice squad uh, stint, but another team will probably put him on the final 53, and he won't be able to pass that up. In terms of the real practice squad, Doug Middleton and Casey Rogers II could easily be candidates. Middleton was there last year. Injured reserve, Rontez Miles out for the season. And that's the defense. 25 on the defense, 25 on the offense. Special teams obviously always carry three with the kicker, the punter, the long snapper. We have Thomas Hennessy, the long snapper. Great name. Great last name, I should say. Thomas doesn't really, you know, get me going. Uh, punter, Lachlan Edwards, there's nobody else. And at kicker right now, we have Taylor Bertolet, the rook, making the team. Jason Myers was just signed. I think Bertolet's done enough during the summer to make the team unless he completely falls apart Thursday in Philly. Um, but... Again, like the edge, like the offensive line, the kicker spot is very much a fluid situation. Depending on what gets cut around the league is what we'll see in terms of kicker, offensive line, and edge. Outside linebacker. Uh, practice squad, the 10 individuals here, this will not be the practice squad. When trying to project the practice squad... Uh, before cuts, it's just an impossible task. 
the only thing you could do is take the most, uh, the prime candidates on the team and stick them on there. I have 10 guys listed here. I'd be lucky if three of them actually land on the practice squad because over half of the practice squad come from different teams that McKedden has his eye on, that he has on his short list at each position. But anyway, we'll, we'll run them off. No one, by the way, the rules for the practice squad, they're always young guys because no one could, can, is allowed, per NFL rules, be on the practice squad for more than three years. And in terms of the third year, I think there's a rule in place where the team must be at max capacity and 53 men. I forget what the rule is, but there's a, there's a caveat in terms of year three. But anyway, here's the 10. George Atkinson, running back. Flowers, fullback. Peak, receiver. Peak won't be there. I guarantee it. Flowers probably won't be there either. Another team will take a chance on Flowers if he's cut. Ben Braden at tackle. Shepley at guard. Simon at nose tackle. Wint at inside linebacker. Sinkfield at corner. Middleton at free safety. Rogers, the coach's son, at strong safety. And that's your 53, folks. Um... Is there depth? Yes. Is it better than people think? Yes. It's it's just lacking along the trenches. The interior of the defense is solid with Big Cat and McClendon, but just having like when people looked at Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson and McClendon and uh, Big Cat, they went, "Whoa, Jets have the best defensive line in the league." Not true. That's like saying uh, the Mets have the best pitching staff in the league, yet their bullpen is terrible. No, to have the best defensive line, you must dominate on the inside and outside, along the interior and on the edge. The Jets haven't dominated on the edge since the New York Sack Exchange. They haven't had anyone actually win one-on-one battles along the edge since John Abraham. They had the best interior defensive line in the league. In a 3-4 scheme, the outside linebackers are part of the line. They are the edge rushers. Do they drop into coverage? Yes. So does defensive tackles. In uh, Dick LeBeau's famous zone scheme, or uh, something popped up on my computer here, zone blitzing scheme. That's not the point. The point is, in a 3-4, the edge are the linebackers. And when they had Big Mo and Sheldon and Big Cat and Snacks, forgot about Snacks, they still had no one on the edge. All the offense did was just double everyone on the inside. Not everyone, but focus their double teams on the inside and handle whoever went to the edge, like Mo Wilkerson, a slower Mo Wilkerson, handle them one-on-one because they're too slow. So... The only thing they have is that interior D-line. The offensive line is in shambles, ranks literally with the worst in the league. I know so many Jets fans and Jets media try to promote the idea that when healthy, the Jets O-line is average. Healthy is part of the game. Injuries are part of the game. You have to have depth for an injury. You can't say, oh man, if my left tackle goes down... I'm done for the year. That's not, you know, you could say if my left tackle goes done, we're going to be average or a little below average for the year, but we can't say we're going to be the worst in the league for the year, and that's where the Jets are. So that's part of the game. 
that's part of why they've McCagnan is I've been so critical of McCagnan the last two off seasons in terms of strengthening the O-line. That is part of the freaking game. You have to have depth. And with a hundred over a hundred million dollars in cap space, I don't understand the idea of not doing a damn thing along the offensive line. And drafting only two offensive linemen in four seasons, two out of 28 total picks. Uh, Brandon Shell in the fifth, and I think, who was the other guy? It wasn't Jonathan Harrison. It was another kid the year before Shell, McCagnon's first draft pick in the fifth or sixth round as well. That's it, two offensive linemen drafted in 28 picks. It's a problem, and especially when offense starts, it lives based on the play of the offensive line up front. So, Jets enter in, with an improved roster, just just with no legit chance to be contenders, thanks to the O-line and the conventional pass rush. A year ago, the media was screaming tanking. People were picking them to win zero games, one game. I said, this is ridiculous. When you looked at the roster, the roster actually improved in talent. David Harris, Eric Decker, Darrell Revis, they were big names that were being let go, not talent. And the media were losing their minds, thinking that they were dropping everybody just to tank. The talent actually got better. I picked them to win six games before the season. They won five. They probably should have won seven, but, you know, after that hot start, things just tailed off for the better, for the draft. This year, everyone's going the other way. Ooh, they could be a sneaky playoff team. Sports Illustrated picked them to be the sixth seed in the AFC in their preview that just came out a couple days ago. Again, I'm not on board. I, I don't see a playoff team. It, can a playoff team happen? Yes. For it to happen, they would need the O-line to magically come together and not get hurt. One, they, they can't have a pinky be hurt on the O-line. And they would need to be need to have it magically come together be at least an average force in the NFL, around 15th or 16th in the league, and they would also need to trade for Khalil Mack. I don't see Jordan Jenkins or Josh Martin or anybody on this defense winning one-on-one battles to get the quarterback, to get to the quarterback. And when you could double-team Leonard Williams in the middle, there's no pass rush. To have to blitz to generate that pass rush is such a handicap in this league. Just look at this past Super Bowl champs. Tom Brady, quarterback, O-line, Dante Scarnecchia is a damn genius. So much of Brady's greatness is his offensive line and how it doesn't allow anyone to touch him. But look at the pass rush with Philly. Eight different pass rushers. The Falcons had a great pass rush two years ago. The Patriots, no, their pass rush isn't great. Their defense actually is very bad. They're the exception, though, because Brady and because Belichick and because of the greatness over there. It's the way of the new league. It's dink and dunk. It's three-step drops. You have, you can't blitz, or these quarterbacks will tear you up, even average quarterbacks, because they have the rules at their back, and they could dink and dunk you to death. That's why you need a four-man conventional pass rush with plenty of defenders on the back end. And it's, it's going to be a long year for the Jets with their... Lack of pass rush that ranks probably 32nd in the league. I mean, think about it. Jordan Jenkins, Martin, Donahue. Frankie Louvu's the best shot, by the way. Louvu's got to 
If he could step up, that would be their best chance. And then think about their offensive line. Again, pro football focus ranks them 31st in the league coming into the season. I think they're correct. I'm not a huge pro football focus fan, but I think that's spot on. So, yeah, it's a good, it's a better team than we think, than a lot of people think. Uh, but also, I think a five or six win team again in combating the fans who really believe, or Sports Illustrated for that matter, who really believe a playoff push could happen. I think Sam Darnold will play wonderfully. I think he'll be great this year. I just think he, along with Jamal Adams and, the, and Tremaine Johnson, will have severe handicaps in front of them as the trenches in front of them will let them down. And a lot of that isn't seen and translated when the awards are being handed out and when stats are being reviewed. People don't, you know, it's hard to make that connection. So, you know, there's the 53-man projection. Uh, they play Philly on Thursday night. Darnold won't play. I can almost guarantee it. Uh, they signed that QB, Walford, to play the one game. But look at the position battles everywhere else. Look at Hanson versus Charles Johnson. Look at... Uh, Bertolet versus Myers at kicker. Look at Henry Anderson, uh, not Henry Anderson, uh, Fatu Kasi and everyone else on the run the D line. Look at the edge. Look to see if Donahue does anything. Look to see if Lulu does anything. Um, and, uh, you know, Derek Jones at corner or Sinkfield or um, Burris. Burris. Burris's life is on the line here. So, and at tight end too. That's the one that uh, people can't believe. I chose Tomlinson, Herndon, and Leggett because Walford and Sterling have been good. Let's face it. So, no, you can't see Darnold this Thursday, but look at the other position battles. Look at the depth. Let's see if the let's see if anything can be shown from the O line or the edge. And uh, that's where we are. Once Thursday comes, it's going to be a rapid turnaround. They're going to cut down to 53, and then the NFL season is officially here. Let's go. Let's uh, let's get it done. Thanks for listening to Elite Sports Radio. Stay Right through the very heart of it. New York, New York. I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep. And find out. Little town.